I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. And welcome to Minute 74 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capresque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Darnham of Ghibli Minute. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. I'm going to see the world, and I'm going to build things. <laughs> Minute 74 begins with George continuing to pine over everything that's been going on for the last, uh, uh, I don't know, six or seven years in his mind. And yeah, and this is this is like a weird this this voiceover. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a singular moment. It's like a weird cinematic device that we don't see anywhere else in the film. So it kind of stood out to me. Uh, when I was wa- when I was watching the film, I sat down to watch the whole thing, and then you know, it, uh, stand out in this minute. So it's <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it just it's it's a weird. It seems like there's there. It's a way you know, of doing flashbacks without having to 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 do it visually. It's yeah. It's, it's letting us weird see because so much of the movie is a flashback, right? At least like the. I mean, we're kind of in the middle of a flashback, an extended flashback right now. So it's kind of like kind of a nested kind of uh, flashback, if you will. So you um, maybe they kind of had to use a different kind of device to do okay, that. Okay, I mean, I actually, I have thoughts as to, to why they did that. Uh, I, I think that part of it is to show George's life as it is right now. I mean, this is not an extravagant uh, bedroom. You know, he's not living uh, a lavish style or anything like that. And he's thinking back once again to all of his plans and dreams and also thinking, you know, about how much uh, agreeing with, with, with Potter or taking Potter's deal might have uh, let him fulfill those dreams. So to, to, to give it to us, uh, you know, to visually see where he's living now by listening to his dreams or his thoughts on his dreams uh, helps see the, the, the contrast between the two. The contrast. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it Makes really sense. is uh, it, you could say it's the difference between heaven and earth. You know, they're so yeah. far apart, you know, George for this entire movie, every time he talks about it, George has these grandiose dreams, but he never gets to fulfill any of them because in reality, because his reality is him walking around in in you know in the the the, the Greenville uh, house, that's his reality. But what he hasn't come to realize yet is that this is his actual dream. You know, this is what he really wants. 
He just doesn't know how to express it. You know, in his mind, he thinks he wants something else. You know, that that that's my interpretation uh, of it. Yeah, I guess, you know, the other. At the very beginning of the film, we hear prayers, which is kind of another kind of voiceover. Uh, yeah. We don't see like those characters speaking, so we don't know if they're like if that's internal dialogue or if they're like, you know, in their we only see like the outside of the buildings that they're in. So we don't know if they're sitting in their, you know, over their beds actually speaking those words out loud or if it's internal dialogue. Right. And I mean, I've, have, always, like, I've always imagined that they are sitting there, you know, uh, praying over their beds. That that that's my interpretation yeah. as to what it is. Not just that these people having thoughts; they're they're actually yeah. verbalizing their their dreams and or their wishes yeah. or good wishes for George. You know, which which it, it's really interesting because if for people who don't know this movie as well as people like you and I do, you know, you don't recognize all the voices. But for someone who knows the movie, you're like, oh, that's yeah. Mr. Gower. Oh, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it helps that they have you know they have. Uh their names on the signs in the okay that that's fine too but i'm saying even without that if you if you know the voices you can you can really tell it so yeah you know, it sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense you know but this i mean this with these kinds of voiceovers it always i don't know why my voice always go, my mind always goes back to like david lynch's dune where that kind of like voiceover representing somebody's inner thoughts was just kind of like overdone like like they had that dial like turned up to 11 um and so i mean it's it's kind of something that is really more effective when it's used sparingly and like as i said this is this is the only time really that that happens in this in this movie so it kind of stands out that you're actually kind of clued into somebody's thoughts without them like speaking a line of dialogue or like having it being, you know, acted out visually. Right. And, and I think it's very effective that way. Because yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it, it does give us a clearer idea as to what George's his dilemma is. You know, he he wants everything to be perfect for Mary and for his life, but he doesn't realize that it already is. And it's also, you know, when when this kind of effect is used, it's like adds to the performance because like whatever, you, you know, that character or that actor is doing physically, like visually on the screen, your interpretation of that could change based on whatever sounds they put on top of that. Right. It's right. like a little bit. A little bit related to the what the Kuleshov effect that's like used, uh, you know, that if you show like a blank face, depending on what the next shot is or the previous shot is, you interpretate that blank face as like being happy or sad. It's like what, right? Like when when George what George Lucas told, you know, Mark, don't don't have too big a reaction to like you're seeing your uncle and aunt. It's burned corpses, right? We don't see, we don't see Luke like tearing up or crying out. We just like see him kind of turning away. But you know, we we add the emotion based on the next shot. So it's kind of similar to that. It's like if you put if you remove this voiceover, would 
you have the same reaction or the same emotional impact to whatever Jimmy Stewart is like doing physically or visually in the scene. Right. Well, I, I just want to, you know, interrupt you for a second here because, you know, the, 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 the example you just brought from Star Wars brings us back to what we were talking about on Monday. So, I mean, when, when, when Luke sees the burnt bodies of Owen and Beru, his first th- thoughts are is, yes, I don't need this to work another, <laughs> another season. Here. You know, so there's nothing from here. From here that's right now. I don't need. I don't need to stay here. I can you, know, go. you don't think George Bailey would react the same if we saw like the the building in flame, the building alone in flames? Um, I think he would. He would be the same way. He'd be like, okay, I can move on. Well, when he there did, you go. Well, he did see his dad. I mean, his dad had a stroke, so he kind of went through the same thing where the people, and he stepped in. But I guess no, the, but again, it was the figurehead the that was missing, but not the building. You know, yeah. he knew that the, the the building and the business needed to continue. Yeah. You know, which which goes back to what we were talking about, you know, months ago when we were talking about, uh, you know, the, you know, the the decision after three months of, you know, of of mourning, where George is getting ready to leave. Who did George really think is going to take over? Yeah, Billy? Really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what other options are there? <laughs> you know, you'd think that he would have agreed with Potter. Okay, just close it down. There you go. I'm I'm on my way to college. <laughs> Don't need that anymore. <laughs> All right. So, minute 74 begins with George still thinking about everything that Potter said to him and ends with George wondering... Uh, big things for Mary. This entire, as we've we've talked about for the for the last, uh, you know, since since this episode began ten minutes ago, <laughs> we've we've been talking about the 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 use of you know the the the, the thoughts of, of of everything that's going through through George's mind, and you know we hear in we hear first Potter's voice saying maybe Europe once in a while, and then it jumps us back to. Uh, George and Mary's, uh, you know, first date together, uh, if you want to call it that, where he goes, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world and I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers 100 stories high. I'm going to build a bridge a mile long. What do you want, Mary? What do you want? The moon? If you do, just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down to you. And, you know, while we're listening to, to everything going on in his mind, we see George walk around the room, you know, he's, he's, which, which gives us an idea of what type of lifestyle the, the two of them are having. So, I mean, yesterday we, we talked about, first of all, that, that we saw one tie on the back, but today you can actually see that there are three. Yeah, there are three ties. Yeah. Right. So, so he's got a total of four ties, which you'd think that that if he was doing that, he should already, you know, splurge and go with the five ties. So that he has a different tie for every day of the week. For every day of the week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. I mean, last uh, two seasons ago, we talked about the fact that that Sally had underwear for every day of the week. So why shouldn't George have, you know, a, a uh, tie for every day of the week? That would make sense, too. Maybe he's got a bow tie or something for that. Mm. Like festive for Friday. There you go. Maybe a bolo. <laughs> it's very, did it's they, did they wear very bolos possible. in 1936? Uh, it's it's anything is possible. 
you know, but but as we look around the room, you see that it's a very simplistic, uh, de simplistically decorated room. Uh, it even looks as if there's like water damage on the side uh, of of the the wall. Like when when he's standing and looking, and the mirrors in front of him, and he, he we can see on the left hand side the yeah. uh, you know the the thing with George uh, lassoing the moon. If uh, you can see that the twenty second mark, if you look to the the yeah. left uh, to the right hand right. side, yeah, to the right, it looks like that might be like water damage or something like that in the room. Yeah, right next to the uh, the window. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, actually on both sides of the window. If you back out to like second twelve, you can see it on the other side of the window as well. Right. So again, it's the same it's, kind of stains. That's right. That's right. Um, so it's it's showing that that uh, you know they're making do with what they have. Um, but you know, he, he wants more for, for Mary, but he's still content with what he has. You can see that uh, the, uh, the bed frame has, uh, paint is flaking off mm -hmm. of the, the bed frame. Right. Um, so that's obviously a hand-me-down. You can see the, they have, uh, string tied up as I guess probably like a clothesline. Mm -hmm. Inside, and then uh, here's your uh, uh, more light switch coverage. The lamp, which initially I thought was like a standing lamp, uh, but the lamp over the bed, I think it's probably hanging from the ceiling at some uh, somehow. They got a long cord to turn the lamp on and off, which is uh, so that you can easily turn it on and off uh, while you're lying in bed, which is. Hmm. Right, Pretty so nice. it's a makeshift uh, uh, type of yeah. cord. Uh, wow, interesting. Or maybe it's a bell. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, uh, Potter's secretary will show up when they, uh, sure. you know, when they ring the bell Bird or alert. Ernie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, it's it's it, that 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 is a great uh, catch. The you know the. the I mean, I saw the, the 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 string, and I just assumed that that was for like a, maybe a fan or something like that. But you're right; it is it is for the the lamp. And you know, George lies down on the bed, and then Mary just gets up really quickly as she starts singing. You know, and and obviously, what's she gonna what is she gonna sing? Because she knows that he's thinking about that night after they they all fell in the pool. So obviously she's going to start singing, you know, Buffalo Gals because, you know, besides the fact that that's their song, he's she knows he's thinking about that night. You know, they they plan that really well. <laughs> is that just something that that's just like a recurring bit that they have, like between the two of them, where she yeah. just sings that mm -hmm. like all the time? I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Right, so she she sings it, and he comes over to her, and then uh, you know he he sits down on the bed, and she jumps up, and then they 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 both say hi to each other, and you know we can see the the clock behind him, so yes. we we already know what time it is. Did you did you notice what time it is? It's twelve twenty-five, isn't it? That's right. So I, I highly doubt that he just is coming that he's coming right now from from uh no, I don't think the, the bank is Potter's very crowded. 
That's right. <laughs> At midnight. Right. Yeah. But but what it means is that he's he's been walking around for for eight or nine hours. I mean, this is a long time to be yeah. mulling over this whole thing. Because let's you know let let's he missed dinner. Where that's did he right. Have dinner. That's right. Um, I mean, let was he just working late? Well, I don't did know. he go back to the office? You think so? You think he went back to the office and then it's, I, my my interpretation is is that his meeting with with uh, with Potter was at the end of end of the workday because he can't leave the the building alone, you know. So so if Potter says I want to have a meeting with you, he says okay, I, we close at four. Uh, I'll be by you at four thirty. I don't know, you know that that that's my yeah. interpretation of it, um, and possibly the bank is still open you know, on that particular day. So that's why, you know, the people are, are uh, you know, uh, hustling and bustling around in the background, stuff like that. Right. But now it's 1230. You're right. Done before like, the closing time. Yeah, that's right. So what the hell happens between, uh, you know, 430 and, and 1230. So we're talking eight hours. You know, it's, it's like, um, it reminds me of the naked gun, you know, where he's sitting in, where he starts going for a walk and he ends up, you know, uh, we, we hear Drebin's voice over of, of everything, you know, that, of how he's mulling over the case and whatever. And then you see that he's like in in the uh, somewhere in the Hollywood Hills, you know, and he's, he's like on a cliff and he looks around and he goes, and how the hell did I get here? <laughs> you know, he's, he's asking all the questions about the about the, the case itself, you know. Why would they do that? And why would they do this? And why is it? And how the hell did I get here? Or where? Am, or what the hell am I doing here? Or something like that. You know. And, and that's the the you know maybe that's what happened. Maybe he was just in a daze, walking around for for eight hours. Well, maybe. I mean, so we we see elsewhere in the movie that he works late all the time. So I would guess that. That's what she thought he was doing, at least. Right. Like she probably didn't didn't have any questions about why he missed dinner. She probably just assumed that he was he. But she might have called the bailing the building alone and just asked, "Hey, is is George there? Is he going to be home for dinner or or what?" Or maybe well, do, she just do you think, assumed. He was. Do you think he would have told her that he has a meeting with Potter? Or do you think it was a spontaneous meeting? I I think my read is uh, that it happened kind of like what you said, that Potter calls him in the middle of the day, says, hey, I want to meet. And George is like, look, I'm not at your beck and call. If you want to meet, happy to meet with you after my business concludes the day. Right. So he mm-hmm. goes over there like at the end of the day, maybe not after they close, but after he's done most of his work. And I don't think he would have any reason to call home and say, hey, Potter wants to meet with me. Right. It's just, okay, another day I'm staying late at the, at the building in love. Yeah. So okay, that's, that's he fair. might have gone back to finish things, some things up, or he might have been wandering around, like you say. But again, it wouldn't, based on the doubts that he's having here, this is, I don't think he's had this conversation about it with her before. I don't think he called her after the meeting or anything. This is the right because he's probably been walking around wondering what to say, right? In case she, you know, it comes up. Well, he, he probably gonna, took his he, he probably took off his shoes and was walking around in the grass, 
Uh, <laughs> exactly. Went up to the falls. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. And then he he it's a long turns, way up there. It's ten miles. That's right. Hey, it's possible that that you know it would take him four hours there and four hours back. You know. <laughs> there you go. And then he says to her, Mary Hatch, why in the world? And that's how this minute ends. You know, there, there's, there, there, I, I, I really enjoy this minute because it's, it isn't giving us that much new verbally, but, but uh, visually, it's, it's telling us so much. Um, and I, so I, I like it. I like the way they do this. It's kind of summarizing his journey so far. Yep. Yeah. And kind of painting the picture of where he is right now. Right. Correct. All right. So, so did you have anything else for this minute? Uh, no, I didn't. I will say, you know, so we got our, our light switch uh, week payoff. But I think tomorrow is, if I just, if I can have a little cliff here, tomorrow is the key to this entire movie. Yes, I'm very, I'm very lucky to have the minute tomorrow because it is the the keystone that uh, unlocks everything in the movie. All right, so oh. so everyone will have to be here for that. To hear that. <laughs> That's right. Wait for you, baby. There you go. <laughs> so every Thursday we have a segment called Jimmy Stewart Thursday, where my guests will give their top five Jimmy Stewart performances. So Richard, uh, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Number five is, I believe, his first film role as, spoilers, he it turns out to be the murderer in After the Thin Man. I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the Thin Man film series. Um, and as I was going through those movies many years ago, and I was already Jimmy Stewart fan and I was I was delighted to find that this this was his debut role as kind of and he you know seems like a minor part and then it turns out to be the 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 villain so <laughs> that's a lot of fun uh number four so I, I I've seen a bunch of Jimmy Stewart uh, not a lot recently but one one movie that I did watch in the last couple weeks so i put it on as number four is the shop around the corner oh okay yeah i don't know uh which is uh supposedly the basis for you've got uh, mail. you've got mail yeah mm-hmm. but um not sure that it's exactly the same uh plot but it is a pretty good movie it has the uh oh i can't think of, i don't know his name but the guy who played uh the Wizard of Oz, the titular Wizard of Oz, Frank Morgan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's really Frank Morgan is actually really good in that. So that was a fun movie. Uh, number three. Uh, it's kind of a toss up. Uh, no I didn't want to put. <laughs> All right, so I didn't want to, I, this is very, the rest of the list is very Hitchcock heavy. So I think that I really love that period mm-hmm. of his career. So I will, I won't put rope. I'll go with Anatomy of a Murder as, uh, as number three. And uh, number two, Rear Window. And 
Chazel features features uh, Raymond Burr as <laughs> playing against type as the as the murderer as the heavy <laughs> um, as the heavy yes uh, and then number one is uh, Vertigo. Wow, great, great I'm, I'm actually yeah, surprised with you that you do not have It's a Wonderful Life on this uh, on this list. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I forgot. Yeah, that I, we did, were... I had it in my, my Capra <laughs> list, but I didn't have it here. I probably, yeah, that's probably an oversight. But I, I just, I wanted to do stuff outside. Of, for this that's list, okay. I wanted to kind of do outside of this movie. No problem, yeah. that's allowed. No, it's just I, all week you've been talking about how much you love this movie and you love his performance. Whenever and we're talking about the best performances, really, and it's not do there. Do you really love this movie, Richard? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> yeah, you know that you're talking to George Bailey, right? George Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay, Richard. Why don't you? I do uh, love his Hitchcock period, though. Yeah. 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 I understand that. All right, so Richard, you want to uh, once again tell people where they can find you? Uh, you can go to my website, dunamarcy.com, which has links to my two podcasts, Akira Minute and Ghibli Minute. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a Move Around Minute. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So uh, I once again want to invite everyone to come back tomorrow so that you can hear Richard's take on why tomorrow's minute, the 75th minute of this of this movie is the keystone of the movie. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 